on the poker show tonight. Moon over Marrakesh. The WPT's got a Moroccan Rhapsody. Matt Savage talks big game. Nikolai Levi's just getting in shape. And we talk to the big cheese on poker coverage. Welcome to the Poker Show. Here's some highlights from tonight's show. There's three or four names that are game changers. <laughs> Phil Ivey, Durr, Daniel Negreanu, I guess three names. Yeah, everybody's got their limit, and I think these guys try to put them out of their comfort zone. I mean, the game started at 5 and 10,000. They go to 10 and 20,000 with a 10,000 ante. Uh, that's a huge game. Yeah. The last two hours, I've already played 80% because the table wasn't fighting back. Uh, even though Duan and Ivey gamble with the biggest or don't seem to have any... Uh, regard or, or fear. My Maserati has a small defect, but it's okay. Our audience is not a poker player, you know, who's got horses in a tournament. To some random, the Black Hole of Spain in the red, down the road from Barcelona, I played uh, some tournament there, and then came to Barcelona, now I'm straight here in Marrakesh. Go home for like two days, and I go to Paris, Prague, yeah, just never end. You know, we have a sports coach with Winamax, we have a manual coach as well, and so I've been to the gym all, every day. In my opinion, probably the biggest game in the world. That's all right, I got his chips back on the final. What I think to be the best live updating team in, in the poker industry, we're not sitting back and just kind of saying, let's keep on with what we're doing. People are wanting to lower the antes because they think it gives you a lot more play. I disagree with that. What is it, a Crosby, Stills, and Nash song? The Marrakesh Express? That's pretty much what our trip there was. Three days, pretty nonstop. Uh, a lot of fun. Marrakesh is a place of highs and lows. First of all, the the highs. I mean, the the poker there, the way they take care of you is is pretty much five star. The lady, there's a 90 year old lady, or she may even be older, who owns this uh, casino de Marrakesh, Madame Bouchot. Uh, she's running around. She's all over. She looks like she's about 55. You know, iron fist. She was a real madame apparently. And uh, her, her son, her grandson, the whole family, they kind of run this casino de Marrakesh. Couldn't do enough for people. Uh, you know, with the rooms, with the food, with the buffet. With the, just making sure that everybody is happy. That's their attitude. They're so happy the WPT is there. So this is a place. Now, last year, I think they got about 400 people for this Marrakesh WPT. This year, it was only about 200. They put it down to Amneville. It was had something to do with the the advertising laws in France changing. So, you know, they weren't able to advertise in France for this for this event. The fact of the matter is... Of the people who came, the, the the value is fantastic, and this is a location that will succeed for the future. Uh, not the very least is of which is because uh, Matt Savage, a tournament director, who we we, we talked to later. You know, it's a very well run tournament. Uh, you're going to feel very safe. There's a lot, a little bit of exotic stuff. We went out one night uh, to well, it was a restaurant that everybody seemed to be eating in. It was kind of a restaurant that turned into a nightclub that then may have, I'm not sure, actually turned into a brothel. There were so many prostitutes at the bar. But it was actually, it was it was like the kind of place, it was a lot of fun. You know, you get the table, there's music, you can drink, um, the food is very good, you get these tajinis and these big towers of stuff like that. Then belly dancers come out. 
Um, then they bring out those those shishas, you know, those big tall pipes, and everyone's dancing and the whole thing. Uh, and then at about what about two thirty three o'clock in the morning, you head over to the nightclub, and that's where you you you, you get a little of the. The old, you know, traditional uh, table service, the fanciest nightclub, it's at the casino, the fanciest and best nightclub in Morocco since 2004. But uh, it's the kind of place, you know, you're in this sort of, I don't want to say a compound, but there's an area in Marrakesh, which apparently is very high scale, um, upscale, pardon me, high rent, uh, very, very, felt very safe. A couple of nice restaurants in there. And there's also one place on the corner, sort of a Rick's Cafe version of Casablanca, where they've got tables outside, pizzas, hamburgers, and, uh, you know, the milkshakes and coffee and that sort of thing. So that's a nice place as well. Anyway, great show today. Got to talk to Matt Savage, who I absolutely adore. Guy's been around a long time. He's the best in the business. Nikolai Levy, who I've been waiting to talk to for quite a while. Matthew Parvis. You got to know him. If you don't know him, you should. You know, editor of Poker News, one of the most influential people in poker today. Uh, had a nice chat with him, plus, you know, a bunch of other old friends. Uh, we will be right back. Hi, I'm Roland DeWolf, Triple Crown winner, and this is The Poker Show with Mickey Dane. I mean, Jesse May. Hey, Jesse, it's Kim Lansing here. If you don't have a Party Poker account, sign up today using the bonus code POKERSHOW and we'll match your first deposit up to $500. That's $400 more than normal, but you have to use the bonus code POKERSHOW. Already got a Party Poker account? We've got something for you, too. An exclusive reload bonus. Redeposit using the bonus code POKERSHOW50 and we'll match your deposit up to $50. We have an anti we started with 222 players. We're down to the final 82. Top 27 in the money. Matt Savage. His name has been synonymous with tournament directing. Uh, for, well, God, nigh on, is it 10 years or more? Uh, you know, Matt started out in California and then got the big game, which means he was the head of head of the World Series of Poker for the last couple of years at Binion's under Becky Bennon. And he is just a fantastic, he's been around a long time. We have kind of a funny relationship because we always joke with each other. You know, I had just started writing about poker uh, back in around, you know, the early 2001, 2002 at the World Series. And Matt had just started being a tournament director there. And I wrote an article about him that he always jokes with me as one of the nicest things everybody ever wrote about him. It was it was about a decision. He made a great decision. And that's what Matt does is make great decisions. Tournament directing is the kind of thing where if nothing goes wrong, everybody says, well, what was a tournament director for? What did he do? But the fact is things do go wrong. And, you know, that's why... When Matt Savage is at a, a, a tournament, you know, he puts his stamp on it. He's not a consultant for the WPT. It, 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 it means something. Um, and there's stuff going on. You know, look, there was a Partouche poker event, big, big event recently, where somebody had to be – they disqualified someone from the final table for cheating. And uh, the, the method was he had some bloggers who were uh, using high-speed lenses to stand behind the tables and peek at his opponent's cards. But, you know, these are the kind of things that you need a great tournament director, to, first of all, to spot out, you know, to be able to spot collusion or cheating or problems, and second of all, to be able to act on it. So there is, there is stuff. Plus, structures. Structures are very important these days. 
lot of criticism these days for the EPT structure as being too fast. And Matt Savage has instituted a new structure for this WPT, which people are loving, features you know, high antis and uh, low levels and this sort of thing. Anyway, the big thing I like to talk about Matt Savage with, though, is he was over in Macau recently for this massive game. I don't know if you heard about this or if you read about it. There was a big thread on 2 Plus 2, which ended up being one of the biggest threads ever. And Matt Savage actually started this thread. Uh, He had asked Tom Hall when he was at Macau uh, if he could start this up. Basically, Tom Dwan and Phil Ivey. Now, there's these cash games in Macau, and most of the time, foreigners are not It's not like they're not allowed to play in those cash games. They're just not invited with the language barrier, and some of the games are a little bit private and that sort of thing. They're very big stakes. But for for this period of the APT, there was a tournament over there. Everyone was allowed, and Dwan and Ivy ended up just playing. The stakes were so big. Uh, There were some pictures of, of each guy, people having like, 20 or 30 million dollars on the table in chips uh, and Tom, both of uh, Tom Dwan ended up playing a marathon heads up session with a player which uh, I think he, he got stuck I don't know he made it up winning but the stakes were something like Hong Kong dollar fifty one hundred thousand, which is uh, you know somewhere in the neighborhood I think of, of, of five and ten thousand dollar blinds or something I mean it's it's Truly, truly a big game. No limit hold'em. Um, and so uh, Matt Savage was there, and there was they were reporting, you know, on the on the the the, the two plus two form about the results and everything, and, and uh, it was pretty exciting. Uh, Sam Trickett was there actually, our old friend Sam Trickett, who we're going to try and track down later on. But anyway, uh, Matt Savage, one of my favorite guys in poker, and caught up with him in Morocco, and uh, here it is. Matt Savage, top tournament director in the world. That doesn't get thrown around lightly, but these days it seems more apt with all the, the kind of weird stuff that's going on in tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I think I've been pretty lucky to avoid some of the scandals and things that have gone on, but I think part of that is being prepared for those type of things and uh, being able to handle them when they come up to you know get them to be smoothed over. And I think I've developed a knack for that. And, uh, relationship with the players in which they respect uh, the way I run the events. Uh, this, we're here in Morocco, and this, I think, is the first WPT event to have what you're calling this new standardized WPT structure or something like that. Tell me about it, because I was talking to a couple of the British players, and they said this is the best structure they've ever seen. I mean, uh, with the antis and everything like this. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm happy to hear that. Um, there's uh, obviously this is kind of the structure that I've used throughout, but what I've done is I've, I've made it so that you can be flexible, like for this event, a three-day event, we're using hour-long levels. Um, mind you, I think this event should be a four-day event where we play shorter days, but uh, with hour-long levels, you can have a good structure like this. You can mix it up. You could put hour-long levels the first day, 90 minutes the second day, do whatever you want to do. You know, as in Bay 101, I use uh, 90 minutes and two-hour levels with the same structure. But kind of one of the keys, it has to do with uh, the ratio of the of the high antes. I mean, Daniel Negreanu wrote a blog about it. People are talking about it, that everyone believes that higher antes makes better play for everybody. You, you're kind of with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, these are the same antes I've used since the 2002 World Series, if you want to know the truth. Right. For some reason, <laughs> recently, uh, and I think, you know, it's part... I, I'm not exactly sure where it came from, but people are wanting to lower the antes because they think it gives you a lot more play. I disagree with that. I think that keeping the antes higher 
you know, eliminates players at a smoother rate. And because it eliminates players at a smoother rate, you're going to get more play mid to late where it matters most. Because when the short stacks hang around, it's bad for right. both the big stacks and the short stacks. Exactly. It's bad for the structure in general because then what happens is, is as you see people aren't busting out, then next thing you know, everybody looks around and everybody short stacks. You're doing a lot of traveling lately. I know you were in Macau and I hear you're in Morocco. What is your view on, on what's happening international poker? Does it seem pretty strong, almost compared to the American side? Well, I'm very excited about what's going on in Asia and obviously Latin America as well. But Asia for, in particular, um, I think, you know, as has been seen, some of the uh, cash games that are going on there. Uh, there's uh, some online sites that made a real investment in uh, bringing more and more players in. And as everybody knows, you know, the, the Asian gamblers are action players and uh, love, love the game, love to play, and it uh, makes it real exciting. Well, I mean, I want to talk about those cash games in a second, but it's just far as the tournament side. In Macau and stuff like that, can they get the, the ground-level players, the guys that want to play these, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 tournaments, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's all about uh, showing the players that, uh, you know, instead of playing Baccarat all the time or games that are more luck, uh, you know, obviously poker is more skill-based, and uh, I think that they'll, they'll find that over time they'll have a bigger edge and uh, enjoy poker a lot more. So the buzz around the cash games was huge, though. And, I mean, you've become a moderator on 2 Plus 2 now because this this sort of threat about the high-stakes cash games over there has been, like, the biggest threat ever, uh, yeah. just about. Just about. It's in the top five already. And, uh, you know, obviously with the games dying down now, I think it's going to slow down. But, um, yeah, I asked uh, Tom Hall, who's the director of the Asian Poker Tour, he's the CEO, uh, if I could post something about it because... Uh, uh, I think that obviously it added a lot of cachet to the APT, the Asian Poker Tour. Um, and he said, sure. And what had happened is, is that he plays in the game occasionally, uh, and it's, in my opinion, probably the biggest game in the world. It sounds on. like, I mean, some of the pictures and, of course, the, the stories of the pots. I mean, never really seen that many chips on a table, even in the big game of Vegas. Yeah, exactly. So he uh, invited some players over, and, you know, there was an interest in having these guys, the biggest players in the world, come in and play these games. I'm not sure they're that interested in them now because of the results. But, you know, I think, uh, in the end, I think these guys like to gamble. They like to play against the biggest players in the world. And I think uh, opening it up to them was uh, exciting for them as well. And, like, forgetting the results, as far as Dwan and Ivy go, are they well-liked by the age? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Do they, they seem like the kind of guys who give action and, okay, maybe they win, but that they're well-liked in a sense. You yeah, know, do they joke around well at the table? In that, that event, sort of in that sense, because, you know, while the, the language barrier, I'm sure, is immense, I, I still think uh, that they give action. Yeah. You know, those guys, when they aren't playing poker or playing golf or... Uh, making prop bets or doing something that they're always in action, or playing craps. Uh, so that's what those guys like to do. They like to be in action. That's why they're, they're playing. And they so. found some real partners over there, as far as gamblers go. Exactly. Didn't they? <laughs> exactly. They can. They can. Uh, the Chinese business thing can compete with the best of when it comes to gambling. Uh, was there as much buzz among the, the the Chinese poker players as far as like these matches taking place? Were they excited to see them going down the smaller stakes? Guys? Yeah, I mean you could see it as these guys walk through the room. You could see the the you know the poker players that play there weekly just in awe. You know their jaws dropping to see these guys coming into their country into the into Macau and and being a part of the games. I think uh, it just was a real exciting time for the game of poker in general. There was this idea about that Duan was having to show his every time. Did you hear about that? Yeah. It's kind it was, of a fun idea, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That was one of the stipulations of him playing with him is that he'd have to show his hand. And, you know, believe it or not, these guys are getting better and better at sure. the game. So, you know, any time you can 
you get the whole card information from you know one of the best players in the world, it's going to help them a lot. Yeah, and and this thing about going over to Macau, obviously, sort of foreigners aren't welcome all the time. So you just got to go over there. What is it? When there's an APPT? I mean, what, what do you know, what's yeah, next coming I, up? I think that uh, you know, obviously, with uh, more and more tournaments being run over there, I think that there's going to be more and more of that. Obviously, with opening up the eyes of a lot of players to see some of the size games are going on, I think that it's going to have a trickle-down effect, and I think, again, more and more players are going to get into it from the Chinese side, and as well, more and more players are going to see going to those games, and hopefully getting that big invite. Uh, I don't know that a lot of players want to jump into that game right away. <laughs> but, yeah, people want to be over there. Yeah, and part of it for the Chinese guys is that they want to get these guys out of their comfort level, right. and I think, believe it or not, I mean, they're pretty close to that. Yeah. Uh, even though Duan and Ivy gamble with the biggest or don't seem to have any uh, regard or, or fear for the, for the dollar. Everybody's got their limit. Yeah, everybody's got their limit, and I think these guys try to put them out of their comfort zone. I mean, the game started at five and ten thousand. They go to ten and twenty thousand with a ten thousand ante. Uh, that's a huge game. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, let me just ask you quickly. I'm sure you're aware of this thing that happened with the disqualification on the final table of this Partouche Poker Tour. Just in general, is this? Do you think it's an isolated incident? Does this, does, do we need to be more aware of what's happening with the media and poker and people getting in the rail and stuff? I mean, do you have any comments? Well, on Jesse, it? I've worked with you since uh, 2002 yeah. World Series of Poker, and I've seen the amount of respect you have for the players, and I think that some of the media needs to have more of that and. Uh, uh, by the way, I think that uh, you know the media does a great job, and they're vitally important for the growth of the game. Um, but I think that you know not only the players need to protect themselves a little bit better, but I think that we as tournament directors and casino management need to also know that the people that are coming in are accredited, uh, you know, bloggers or. Um, writers and that uh, they're not just there sweating their friends because we see more and more of that and it's problematic. And I think I'll say well, a lot of different court of organizations are running tournaments now that haven't done it before. How important is it to get a good tournament director and a good staff in? You don't realize there's a problem until it happens. Then in retrospect you wish you had done you had, had a different team on the ground. So you know, I get contacted by a lot of people, you know, my involvement as the executive tour director of the World Poker Tournament. I get a lot of uh, questions about, you know, me come over and, uh, you know, whether it works with timing or they think that, you know, I might be too expensive. I mean, I'm not really asking for a lot of money, but, uh, you know, one of the things I've asked for is, <laughs> you know, I have to put this in the article, but business class tickets to go overseas. And, uh, you know, the problem is, is, you know, they say, well, why? I can just get my normal tournament truck yeah. to run this event. And next thing you know, we have issues and problems and things coming down that you aren't having at this event right, right here. So I think that you know, having a good staff and having a good tournament director is really important to your event. And there's just not that many experienced tournament directors around. Poker has grown faster in an exponential fashion, I think. You know, yeah. you, you might be one of a dozen guys, um, you know, who have any, who have real significant experience. Yeah, I think it's, you know, part of it is the respect level with the players. And, you know, people don't want to be run over by the, not only the players, but from the other side, from the casino uh, management and and you know, be able to run the event, and they've given me every opportunity to do so here, and I think it makes it easier for me. The, the respect to the players that I have, I think that it, it uh, really you know, elevates what we can do. I appreciate you taking time out. I know, know you've got to run the tournaments going on right now. Just as far as this Marrakesh thing goes, I feel like this is a tournament that should succeed in the future. Oh, believe me, it's, uh, you know, obviously we're down almost half uh, that we were last year. I think you know, we realized some changes that were going to be made. 
this area of the world, France, poker, they are just so passionate about yeah. the game. I really think this event's going to be one of the strongest uh, going forward. I mean, it's such a nice, everyone's taking care of each other. It's great. You know, the field is is very lively. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, there's just so many positives. Right? And, yeah, I mean, like if you think about media that's over here, you can just see the passion yeah. that they have about the game, and they're just, the players are intense, and I think... Again, French 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 players are also uh, very uh, active and have a lot of action. So I think it's going to be good for the game going forward. Excellent, Matt. Thanks very much. Okay. Good luck here. Cheers. Hello, I'm Black Belt Poker's Neil Channing, and you're listening to the Poker Show with Jesse May. Marvelous. Hey guys, it's Kara Scott here. Enter your email address at thepokershowlive.com and get the show delivered twice a week. There wasn't a lot of Brits there. There's a couple Brits there, most notably John Ames, who has become he's, he's become one of my favorite players now because he's really embracing this old school uh, I will travel, you know, have bankroll, will travel, like Slim and Doyle, Sailor Roberts on the road. Uh, he'll go anywhere. And it's great. He's in incredible form. You know, he chopped a big event in Vienna for 100K, uh, or, or one event in Vienna for 100K, chopped one in Barcelona just a couple weeks ago for another 100K. So he's uh, he's cruising. And uh, I caught up with him. He's just, you know, ambled in uh, all by himself. Uh, he's got a couple German guys he's traveled with, but sort of ambled into the to the Casino de Marrakesh. Man. Hey, John. Where are you going next? So, John Ames, you're taking this uh, life on the road thing pretty seriously. Where, where have you been the last couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, I was in Vienna, Amneville, and came home for like two days straight to some random, the Black Hole of Spain in the red, down the road from Barcelona. I played uh, some tournament there, then came to Barcelona. Now I'm straight here in Marrakesh. Go home for like two days, and I go to Paris, Prague. Yeah, it just never ends. It's great, and you just came off of was almost back-to-back -back wins. You, you, you had the first place in Vienna, and now uh, second place or a chop in uh, Barcelona. So you're feeling good? Yeah, so yeah, couldn't be going better than that. You said you looked at the schedule for this, uh, the structure for this WPT. It was really good. What do you mean by that? The structure of the tournament itself. I've yeah. just never seen anti's this big before, and. I played with Daniel Negreanu in day one of EPT, and he was—he's just written some blog posts about structures, and it came up. And he just hates the EPT structure. This structure, which is standard for nearly all the WPTs now, it's got crazy levels like fifteen hundred, three thousand with a five hundred ante, which is just insane. It's like twenty-two percent of the. The, uh, but the it's what all good players want, which is not to let the short stacks hang around. Yeah. Because it, it also affects Even you. Even tight players are going right. to have to just, they're right. going to have to start playing. Yeah, because basically if everyone else is sat there playing with 15 big blinds, you're stuck to playing the same game. Right. And so eventually everyone just, you know, blinds catch up and you end up, you know, in a crap shooty tournament. Um, but these should be fantastic. And also the bad players won't realize just how much the antis make this difference. So. But the 13 levels a day, is that, uh, are, you, are you up for that? You did it, I think in Amityville there was quite a long. Day. Yeah, I think we ended up at like 8.16 the next day, which is a bit unusual. Um, yeah, I would prefer to play less levels a day. But at the same time, I certainly don't want to be hanging around on day one. I wouldn't mind playing a long day one and then short a day two and day three. Maybe they should add an extra day to this tournament, I don't know. But it seems like the DPT, when they get to day three and four, they only seem to play like four levels, because they stop at like 27 and then they stop at final eight or whatever. So at the same time, maybe they're not long enough days. So. And you got to figure, well, you're still young. I mean, you look around. If you've played 13 levels, so is everybody else at the table. They've got to be worse off than you. Yeah, definitely. I definitely am used to playing longer sessions than 
lot of people, I suppose. So, and I probably, if I know the game a lot better, a lot more experienced than other people, I don't even need to be that wide awake to still play, you know, strong poker. So, yeah, it probably helps me. All right, cool. Good luck, Joe. That's how you break out. That's how you break out in the poker world. You just can't stay at home and expect something to happen. You got to get out there like John Ames, like Sam Trickett. You know, you got to travel. Uh, something good will happen. And, and it's great to see. They're, they're real old school, those guys. I think something good is going to happen. Also caught up with our friend Bodo's Bresney. Uh, he's, he's a bit of a nutcase, too. Bodo plays more. He plays more cash games and tournaments. But uh, always fun to see him in Marrakesh. Bodo, did you drive here? No, you didn't. <laughs> Not really. My Maserati has a small defect, but it's okay at the moment. Did you make it home from Amneville okay? Yeah, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> so what's been going on the last month? Oh, I gave a lot of coaching to my poker students. And How do people get in touch with you if they want to? They want to let you know if they want to get involved in coaching. What site are you doing it with? Is it with Party or what? Uh, yeah, Party Poker. It's my sponsor, and yeah, yeah. I try to get people to Party Poker. But my site is Bodo minus Poker dot com. Bodo minus what? Poker. Yeah. Dot com. Right. There you can read my blogs, see some photos, and some many, smaller stuff. How many students have you got? Hard to say because sometimes they come and then they go <laughs> after two weeks again. But I would say like 30 students and then sometimes like 40, sometimes only 15. So, so what uh, what's brought you to Marrakesh? I mean, what, do you think this looks like a good tournament value-wise? You like the place? I try to play some more live events and yeah, hopefully I get some results. You're kind of missing that big result, big tournament result, right? Yeah, now, normally if party focus one an event, then it's alright like the World Open or the big game but the game was cash game so yeah, you're right I, I, I miss know, one cash big games, all you, you've got plenty of results there, but the tournament's yeah. like you know, I'm just waiting, I mean it's tournament is a lot of variance yeah. and then you have to wait for yeah. it, so you cannot force your, your good result you can play good and lose one important hand and then it's over so maybe it's here you look very fresh, it's 13 levels today, do you know that? it's yeah. still 3 in the morning I played uh, cash game until 5 a.m. and then I had a good sleep, so I'm very fresh. Perfect. Oh, here at the casino you did? Yeah, I played here. Very good. It was a good game, yeah, but I had some bad luck, like one uh, 90% hand, which okay. I lost. No, I, I did split. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest. <laughs> you ran it twice, like. <laughs> no, no, I had uh, Jack 9 suited on a Jack 10 8 board, and I had flush draw too, and he had nine loose, and then we made uh, the straight. <laughs> That's Flop all in. After the money but, went all in. But that's all right because yeah. I'm, I think the mathematical uh, way and then it's all I can do. You made a lot of Skolansky dollars last night. Yeah. <laughs> like Bodo <that>. dollars. Right. <laughs> all right. Good luck in the tournament, Thank Bodo. you very much. The website, Bodo's Bresney was talking about, it's bodo-poker.com. Or is it Bodo-Poker.com? Either way, I went there. It's mostly in Germany. He writes a blog and stuff like that. And, you know, Bodo's a guy. He would be a great teacher because, okay, he doesn't play a lot of tournaments. But I was joking with him. You know, show me a tournament player. I'll show you a guy who can't beat an online cash game. And he was joking because Bodo destroys. He is a grinder in the six max games. And he knows what's going on. Anyway, a guy who's actually is a great tournament player and destroying the tournaments lately, although he seems to be, seems to be uh, knocking on the door, um, sort of a 
you know, one of the top tournament players in France, Nikolai Levy, uh, or Levi. Now, I first encountered uh, Nicholas when uh, this WSOP Europe main event, they had the live streaming. He was uh, on the TV table for about eight hours. I watched him. Very impressive. Really was the guy who was going after it. He kept getting out and flopped and everything, had to tighten up. But very uh, talkative, very entertaining player. Um, has this signature sort of hat a fedora-type hat that he wears at the table, which is a cool look. And uh, he's part of this Winamax team, which is a big team in France, big poker team, who also includes Anthony Lelouch, who is, you know, I mean, the other great player in France. And, you know, between, like, it's starting to really become clear. Now, there are a lot of French players out there, but it's starting to become really clear that there's a couple French players who are really head and shoulders on, on this world level. You know, you're talking Elke. You're talking David Benjamin. You're talking Lelouch. You're talking Nikolai Levy, Antoine Saoud. And uh, it's a... Uh, Pretty tough competition there in France. Anyway, I was excited to talk to Nicholas Levy, and uh, you know he is a guy who he's, he's had about oh god about twenty final tables in the last two years, and uh, you know has yet to win that big event. Was fourth in that World Series of Poker main event. That was a pretty big cash, but you just feel like something's going to happen. I watched you anyway. Yeah, yeah, so heard your voice you. many times. Well, I watched the whole uh, all the live streaming the last two days of the WSOP. It was okay. really good stuff. Yeah, actually, I didn't watch table. the final table. It was the final two tables, you know, from okay. uh, 18 to oh, That's very exciting. Some of so it. Some of it. Not you watch all of it. Yes. And, and see, um, because like it was amazing. Like it was delayed. So before I went to bed, I got to see an hour of it. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> but I didn't get to know because in France people couldn't see it. I think or. All ah, right. Not ton of show. Yeah, yeah. You actually had to buy it. It was hard to watch, but uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, I just wanted to ask you about that WSOP because I mean that's like you've you've had tons of like finishes all over, but still missing the big one. Do you feel like you're getting due with this sort of thing? Uh, there's no such thing as being due, right? Yeah. So, I try not to, not to think that. I try really hard not to think that. And just do my best to, you know, have more chips on the final table. So, uh, I'd say a good half of them I was short. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just poker. So, no, I don't think, there's any, you know, there's no reason. There's nothing I do differently. And I'm a city player originally. Yeah. So, I think final table, I know pretty well the maths of it. And uh, I wouldn't say money is an issue, but, you know, I don't worry too much and well I guess it, it shows on the WSP Europe you know I accepted a couple of Bitcoin flips uh, because you know I don't mind playing for well you were the guy who was trying to it looked like trying to make things happen with two tables right. and you just kept you ended up I think it was the American uh, the Steinberg he just seemed to like keep hitting everything like that's oh, uh, right I got his chips back on the final <laughs> oh, right, so <laughs> but uh, how many chips have you got here because you started the day with uh, 80,000 280 or so so it's been a good Second day so far. Chips, and now I've got 350. So slightly up, but getting caught up by the average slowly. Right. Uh, really tough table, actually. I'm, I'm surprised there's such a tough table in this field. And yeah, it's doing well. I mean, uh, there's like, I don't know if you know all these guys, but there's some of the best online grinders. So these are guys that either play all the multi tables or play 5, 10, 10, 20, okay, 25. So you know online. these guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know them. I haven't had the chance to play a lot with all of them, but I know some of them fairly well. And, you know, it's it's that kind of table where people bet the minimum pre-flop and bet 40% of the pot on the flop and... 
stick around, lots of free bets, lots of no showdowns. You know, so it's. Uh, You're a guy who plays a lot of hands. Yeah, I, I like to play loose when I have a chance. Yeah. So here I had a big stack. I was thinking probably I'll play really loose. Yesterday I suddenly played. The last two hours I probably played 80% because the table wasn't fighting back. But here it was a completely different story. Right away I knew this table wouldn't let myself bully them, you know. So I had to play. I played fairly solid. Did a couple of big bluffs when I had a tidy bench, then stopped because people just. Uh, it's more of a waiting for someone to make a mistake, try to play in a way that they can't exploit you too much. And uh, and this is a little bit sounds like for you. I mean, you know it's going to happen, but not only the money, but I mean, you, you wouldn't mind having a title. Uh, it'd be nice to have in your back pocket. Well, yeah, certainly. I'm not going to hold back. You know, if I have a chance to gamble for the title and I think it's plus EV or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I don't. It's not that big a price pool as well, so I wouldn't feel too bad if I miss out on something. Yeah. So, yeah, certainly I'm going to try to get in the spot to... Do you look the, like you uh, feel like uh, making a... I feel really good. You know, we have a sports coach with Winamax. We have a mantle coach as well. And so I've been to the gym all, every day and... It's big team Winamax getting ready. Here. Yeah, 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 it's well organized and uh, we're trying to make it into a, some sort of professional attitude, you know, rather than just being... Yeah. Rather than just knowing stuff, you know, arrive fully charged with, you know, I think poker is going more and more into a, yeah, I wouldn't say sport because it's all a definition matter, but yeah. it's getting more and more into something really professional where the best players are the one that will play their best all the time rather than, there's such little difference now between two great players. Has Lelouch agreed to all this? <laughs> <laughs> Lelouch has had his own coach actually before that. Lelouch okay. has his own personal coach, but obviously his lifestyle is different because he plays, uh, you know, sometimes for 36 hours yeah. and then sleeps for 20, but he still he still goes to the gym and tries to catch up okay. and make up for that. You know? yeah, yeah. It's certainly not the healthiest lifestyle you've ever heard with a big nightclub. He's got night. enough talent, like, you know, he can handle it. Yeah, sure, sure. All right, listen, good luck, Nicholas. Good luck with the Thanks, tournament. Thanks, Jesse. All right, Thanks cheers. Very much. <laughs> I'm the best now, and I smash it now. I've proved it already across European side, across American side. If you don't wind me up anymore, I'm sending everyone broke, and that's the problem. <laughs> hey guys, this is Sinisa. I am with the Royal Flush Girls. You're listening to the Poker Show with Jesse May and Party Poker. Hey, Morocco was fun. I mean, speaking of that, the, you know, we're talking about that big game in Macau. There was a big game in Morocco, and I was watching it for a while. David Benjamin, uh, he, he was, well, I don't know, either it was built around him or he was building it around himself, if you know what I mean. But uh, I got over there one morning, and it was, I guess it was about, it was pretty early, maybe it was about. Nine ten in the morning or something, and they had been playing all night. Clearly, there was David Benjamin uh, sitting on one end, and this a Scandinavian. I have no idea what his name was, but uh, he was clearly him and David Benjamin were fighting it out. There was a couple other guys sort of coming in and out of the game. They were playing. I mean, they were playing big. Let's let's be honest. They were playing big. But when you talk about Dwan and Ivy, no, they weren't playing for millions, but uh, they were certainly playing for tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands and that sort of thing. So it was a pretty big game. And uh, Benjamin was like, he'd play for 24 hours, then he went over the tournament, played for an hour just to get busted out and come back for the cash game. So he was he was pretty involved. But uh, also saw there, you know, there were Poker News guys there. Now, um, the Poker News... If you don't know, is the has has become um, the premier poker coverage or or the dominating in 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 the world uh, as far as the World Series goes and a lot of uh, European events and card player used there was this you know, big pretty big fallout with card player and Harris and the whole thing but at this stage card player does 
absolutely nothing, really, in terms of poker coverage. And Matthew Parvis, who is the editor and, and one of the heads of Poker News, is probably one of the two or three most influential guys uh, in all of poker media right now. He has innovated a lot of things as far as uh, poker news and poker coverage went, you know, it's, especially with poker news doing a lot more Twitter stuff and um, with the video coverage and the team, the bloggers that they use. Now, there have been... It, it, it's it's a bit of a shame in a sense, I always think, because if you know poker bloggers and um, if you've been around, you, you meet a lot of the great ones, you know, Snoopy and Jen Mason and um, Homer, all, all these guys. Uh, they are some of the finest writers. They are very, very talented people. And unfortunately, the way, you know, most poker coverage is, everything they do, all poker coverage is put into like these you know, I don't know, 100-word blips or something like that, which is a bit of a shame. I heard one poker blogger compare it to, you know, being a, a sous chef or a, a very good chef uh, working at a McDonald's um, because, you know, and I always say, that's what I always say. I said it to Matthew Parvin, said a lot of people, why don't, when they have these bloggers covering these big tournaments, why doesn't one guy get a day off from blogging every week and, his only job then is to write a real a, a teeth, an article with teeth, something about a thousand words or twelve hundred words that'll last a little. That's what poker coverage should be. Uh, in fact, one of the guys who was was there, uh, an American at uh, in Marrakesh, um, I was talking to him. Turns out he does uh, a blog, which uh, I checked out. Great blog, hardboiledpoker.com. dot com. Um, and, you know, maybe that's, you know, Snoopy, of course, has black belt poker. Maybe that's these guys' outlets. He's a great writer. Uh, Martin, his name is, from North Carolina. And uh, yeah, check that out. But I did catch up with Matthew Parvis. Excited to talk with him. So I'm here with Matthew Parvis. Matthew, funny seeing you here in Morocco. What, what actually brings you here? Um, well, I was working over at the EPT Barcelona. Um, and my trip kind of got extended. I have some meetings in Isle of Man in London the middle of this week. And so I looked at, you know, the fact that we have a team here in Marrakesh. Uh, I figured I would just pop over and uh, say hello. It was a quick two-hour flight. I really want to ask you about World Series of Poker main event final table. Because uh, uh, were you there, first of all? I know poker news yes. is very involved. Yes. Um, I thought, and a lot of people think, it was just one of the most impressive atmospheres, play, just everything about it. What were your impressions at a final table? I thought, I think you're right. I think that out of the years that we've had the November 9, um, and even a couple years leading up to it, um, it was, it definitely was one of the more fun final tables. There was just a lot of action. Um, it didn't disappoint. It was exciting. Um, from the minute you walked into the Rio, um, it had that electric energy with, you know, uh, Grinders fans yeah. uh, were just kind of out in full force. And we had a little bit of that with Ivy uh, last year in, in 09. Um, but the play in 09 was just dreadfully slow. Mm. And then this year, it just felt like everyone at the table was kind of playing to win. Nobody was trying to sneak up. You know, spots in the money, except maybe Raisner played very, very kind of close to the vest. Um, Which but, was classic, really. Yeah. The way it worked out, wasn't <laughs> no, it? It, it, it? It really worked out well for him. I mean, you had, you know, the, the two guys, the chip leader, uh, Duamel, um, who was fairly active. Um, and Chung. And, yeah. and Chung, who was just basically destroying the table from beginning to end. 
until his you know classic misstep with the A7 offsuit. Um, but yeah, it, it had everything you'd want in like a like a, like a film almost. I mean, you have Grinder going from what was looked at as like a severe severe chip disadvantage, and to, he was then big favorite. Yeah. I mean, everybody pretty much expected him I, to win. I was at dinner um, with some people, um, and the tournament was still going on. It wasn't an actual break. I guess it was the break leading into some of the play where Grinder took over the chip lead, and we were all just looking at it like this is it now. I mean, he yeah. is—he had so many. He had like sixty million or something like that. Yeah. I mean, and he had about a 10, 10 million chip lead over the next closest competitor, and it looked like it was just like a collision course for Grinder and Chung to be at that right. you know heads up play, um, and then I mean, just kind of all imploded. Let, let's let's talk poker coverage because it's sort of funny how was over the last year or two years poker news has gone from having all kinds of competition to not only really dominating the market leading it but almost being the big the only big players in it and at the same time which is a great thing but at the same time there's been a lot of controversy or criticism and i mean how how do you what do you feel the state is of of poker coverage right now on the internet well it's a it's a tough industry and i think that that's the one thing that um, a lot of our critics and detractors fail to realize, uh, well, it's not so much, it's the people that, you know, the in the forums and mm. the fans that are kind of saying, like, well, why is there no competition? Why aren't the other sites out there? Well, it's, I mean, imagine sending three or four people uh, around the world to well, here we are in Morocco. You guys got a, got a huge team here. Yeah, I mean, and it's have, not, not easy to do that. No, it's... It's um, it's not an easy task, and you know, Poker News had its struggles with it. You know, when they first started live reporting as well, trying to find ways to ensure that we could continue coverage. Um, and I think that's the one thing that we're finding. Um, you know, there's there's always going to be people saying, "Well, why is the World Series kind of closed off to other media doing live updates?" And I, I think that that's a point for debate. And I think that Poker News sometimes unfairly gets the rap for being the one that's saying, like, you know, putting all these restrictions on the other media. Right. But it's a, it's a, you know, it really has always been a decision that the World Series of Poker has made more so than Poker News. Um, obviously, our updates are powering the official WSOP.com updates. Um, so I think that they're trying to protect their own interests right. um, to, cer- to a certain extent. Um, there's also been, you know, the idea is that they don't want hundreds and hundreds of media running around the table. They would rather kind of keep it very contained. Um, and then the, you got the problems that happened in Partouche that you must be aware about, which right. put a big black but, yeah, eye, I mean, in course. a sense. yeah. I mean, but the, the, the fact of it is, I mean, if you look at, other than the World Series of Poker, the live updating game for uh, poker tournaments is wide open. Uh, when we cover a European poker tour event, um, we're here in Marrakesh, it's open to any of the other media outlets that would like to come out. And it is, but even if people would want to criticize, if Poker News is there, they're the ones you're going to go to. I mean, sure. that's just the way it is, really. For some, you know, it, I mean, you must be proud of that. I, I mean, I, I am proud of it, and, and you know, I've only been with Poker News for a year and a half, um, so I can't take the credit for building up the teams. I mean, these guys are uh, the best in the business, and I, I feel like I've helped kind of tailor that and, and make sure we continue to grow and we continue to be able to provide the service that we do. It seems to me like the biggest improvement or the biggest change in coverage has been more and sort of more targeted video coverage, you know, with glory and that sort of thing. Do you, do you feel like that's what people want 
more than the tech stuff? I think for the most part, um, if you look at any media, whether it's the poker media or mainstream media, it's turning much more into a visual, uh, quick-hitting type of coverage. People want to see, people want to hear, um, they want more than just to read through the blog. Because chip cans just aren't really happening. I mean, well, it's just yeah, it's hard mean, to do. It, it is hard to do. I mean, but you look at the... It depends on your audience. I mean, if you look at a World Series audience, you know, we were getting harassed by... We're not harassed, I shouldn't say that. Um, we were getting uh, a lot of complaints from players themselves um, during the World Series. But quite frankly, our audience is not a poker player, you know, who's got horses in a tournament. Um, it's you know, people at home that are trying to get a feel for what's happening on the floor. And I understand both, you know, ideas, but, you know, when uh, poker player A is looking to see how poker players C, D, and E are doing, they don't want to run through all of the hand updates. They just want to go to the chip counts and see how many chips they have and make sure they're accurate. And I understand that. But, I mean, you have to look at these field sizes at the World Series, 2,000, 3,000 people. It's just not a feasible... Um, you know, solution yet. There's no, there's, obviously we've looked into tech. I mean, we've looked into idea, you know, RFID chips. There's been all sorts of tech ideas that we've looked at. Right. There's a reason that they're not in play. Well, right. I mean, you don't have a hundred, you know, basically, you know, at the end of the day, if you had a hundred people on your staff, it would be different. You know, obviously we'd love to have, you know, enough people um, to, you know, one person to watch every table. Right. But, that's but is there not... anything next year, that World Series-wise, that you think you want to bring in? Or... Well, we're looking at uh, a number of different options. We're always looking at ways to um, better our coverage. We're, def- we're definitely not sitting back and saying, okay, well, we have, uh, you know, what I think to be the best live updating team in, in the poker industry. We're not sitting back and just kind of saying, let's keep on with what we're doing. Um, we're looking at innovating. Um, we're looking at, I don't want to talk about too many of the things that we're looking at. I mean, there's, you know, there's, I don't think it's too uh, difficult to see that there's a lot of stuff going on tech wise that, that right. can be done with apps and whatnot that we're looking at. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest thing that we're going to see more of is, um, user-fed uh, integration into the live updating. Um, people are using Twitter so much these days. Um, well, you guys have started, I mean, everybody has started yeah, to have the actual, the, the, and that's sometimes most of the information you get, I probably should have mentioned that, is the people you follow on Twitter correct. that puts yeah. it all in one place. So, that's big. So using, yeah. uh, using Twitter and using you know, social media um, to revolutionize and to kind of keep building on the live updating is something that we're strongly moving towards. All right, last last question. Most most popular tournaments, as far as the ones people want to follow online, that World Series of Poker. What are the next four biggest? I mean, okay, um, WSOP Europe main event is huge. Yeah, um, we have a lot of a lot of readers for that. Uh, I think I think it's surprising. Uh, surprises a lot of people, you know, when I go through the list and I say that it's probably our second most viewed tournament of the year. Interesting. Um, the event in Monte Carlo, the EPT Grand Final, has always been a huge event, as well as PCA has always been a huge. Those two, in terms of coverage and what we seem to think is our most, our peak times yeah. of the year. And that makes um, sense. Our PCA, Monte Carlo, WSOP Europe, uh, and. Um, the main event. But interestingly enough, maybe those are becoming the most prestigious for those reasons. I don't know. Yeah, well, and, and see, it's tough also because you can, 
you know, I'm looking at things from like a traffic standpoint. I see peaks and valleys and whatnot, and I can look at numbers and say, well, what happened in this tournament? I mean, it'll necess- it'll just be a tournament that Dur was at a final table, and our numbers are, I mean, just go through the roof. Yeah. Um, two a month and a half ago, I was looking through some numbers and seeing our readers, and uh, it was leading up to the November 9 and I saw this huge spike and I was like why was there this huge spike a week before the November 9 and it was Daniel Negreanu at the final table of uh, EPT Vienna right Um, so there's three or four names that are game changers (laughs) Phil Ivey Durr um, Daniel Negreanu, I guess three names really that are, those three are game changers. And Luke Schwartz, when it comes obviously. To the coverage. Yeah. Luke is, I mean, Luke is fun to watch. I mean, don't get me wrong, um, he's fun to watch, but he he has not developed the, the the following. I don't think. I think it's hard to get that. Um, you know, where you see like a name like literally become a game changer when it comes to the coverage that we do and art is followed. Helmuth, you left that Helmuth. Helmuth, yeah, yeah, he definitely garners a lot. It, you know, it's hard. You know, I'm basing a lot of my uh, analysis on these tournaments also by the tournaments that we cover. And, but who's in a better position than you? I mean, to, to know right. Well, so, the I mean, unfortunate you know. thing is, I mean, we don't cover a large amount of the World Poker Tour events, um, right. which is something that I would like to to move forward to. I mean, we're definitely always trying to figure out ways to yeah. make make that happen. Um, so, because I think that the the big WPT championship is still one of the premier events in poker. Um, you know, it's got a great buy-in. Right. Um, the structure is really solid. So, and the field is just stacked. So I think that that probably is up there with the four that I mentioned or three that I mentioned. Cool. All right. Listen, good luck, Matthew. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Cheers. I appreciate it. Yo, Phil Helmuth, 11 time world champion of poker bragging again. You're here listening to the poker show with Jesse May. What's up, guys? It's Dragon here. You're listening to the Party Poker Show with Jesse May and Party Poker. That's all we've got time for this evening. Uh, big show coming up next time. We will be talking with Joe Seabock exclusively, uncut. You know, he, he's the, the he's got a million Twitter followers. Would you believe that? <laughs> and, um, how do you do that anyway? Uh, also, he's pretty big in the poker world, poker tonight and the whole thing. So uh, we will see. That Thanks to all our guests and thanks for Marrakesh. Uh, I'm, I'm off to Galway, by the way, for the UK IPT. And what is it? The bells will be ringing in Galway Bay. See ya.